0: So, man, I, I noticed you didn't bring a coffee mug with you today, Garen. So totally I brought forgot. us both one. I feel like I, I brought us mugs that kind of embody who we are as people. And so I brought R2 for myself because I'm, kind of, I'm kind of an R2. Just guy. kind of an I 2 guy. Yeah. I say stuff and don't really notice what it means, but yeah, that's me. And then they didn't have the emperor, but I got Darth Vader for you.
1: Very appropriate. I feel like that's kind there you of, go. Yep, that's, you give off that Vader that's vibe. The, that's the, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's got the, oh, we got some Vader guys here. Look, there's the two Sith of The Sith is
0: strong. Dang it. Well, I'll stay strong with R two.
1: So with this being, um, with this being the day with the graduates, we were wanting to, to have a message, he and I, something that we could tell to the high school. Those are high school, those in the university that, Like, if we could give them, like, something important to carry in their life with them, um, like, what would that be? And as we talked, I mean, it was something we both really resonated with, and God kind of brought this together, we really felt like. It's something that's not just for them, but the reality is, this is for all of us, and this is something I think all of us need as we walk this path of faith. So, if you're, you know, you're here as a young person, this, I wish I knew this when I was in my 20s, um, when I was new in faith, it, it was a long time before I figured this out, and I really wish I would have known it. Jordan's got a big jump on me with it, and, but it's for all of us, so we, we're pretty excited about uh, this. I just wanted to show you something. If This will make sense to you if you grew up in the 70s or 80s, probably. Uh, this is Garen's brain, and that's my brain on drugs. Uh, that's like <laughs> that's what we did the other day. We sat down and we mapped this whole thing out. That's just what my brain looks like half the time. Yeah.
0: But we always wonder why Jordan the markers I, are dry in this room and it's cuz of yeah, that's what's going on. So,
1: okay, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the, the problem that I found that I think a lot of us struggle with and we'll talk about the real problem and then we're going to kind of look into it. And here was the problem for me is I mean, the real, here's the reality of my life. It's full of lots of ups and downs everything but my spiritual life. There are times where I'm feeling it, I'm feeling like the delight of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, I'm like in it, and there's just days and there's weeks, there's sometimes months where I'm not feeling it. Does that make sense? Just, just not feeling it. And, or just a lot of times you're, you're kind of in this flat place in the middle, and it's just kind of this flat thing, and have those occasional mountaintops, but they don't last. I learned really easy from youth camps youth camps are always a mountaintop and you come home and that thing didn't last but a week or two i mean and you i mean you've been there you see it all the time Mm -hmm. and what here's what i would always happen to me when i'd hit these kind of when i'd hit these lows and it doesn't even mean like bad lows but just these things where i just wasn't feeling it boy i'd really start doing a lot of hyper analysis and masking the question like what's what's wrong with me like spiritually what's wrong and i'd be looking for some problem or sometimes people ask, like, what's wrong with God? Why is He not here? I don't, I'm not feeling Him, I'm not hearing Him. It wasn't that so much with me, but some people it is. Some people it's both. What's wrong with me and with God? And what would always happen in, in these periods where I wasn't feeling it, um, I'd always kind of felt like I wasn't good enough. You know, man, Lord, if I, if I was good enough, I'd just always have the joy of the Lord, but I don't. And I'd feel defeated and it would kind of make me shrink back from him. And sometimes people even kind of give up trying. I mean, that's kind of the problem, Jordan, if we drew it, right? Is, right. is it's, it's this thing. And you were saying sometimes people get stuck in this middle and then it just becomes, yeah. you almost just kind of... Just, just kind of walk away like, if this is
0: what it's going to be, then, then, then why do it? And I, I think, I mean, I don't even fully grasp this, but I'm starting to understand this in a healthy way, this undulation thing, this up and down. Um... But I think so many of us are here, and and we get frustrated with it. Like, at least 75% of us probably, we, we have these ups and downs. We don't know how to process them. And so it ends up with frustration and guilt and all this stuff. Yep. But we don't talk about it. Yeah, we don't talk about it, right? Because you're supposed to have it figured out, Garen. Yeah,
1: Right. and we all. We all have it figured out, right? None of us has this problem. I mean, I was just telling Jordan, uh, I mean, I went through one of these things in March, late March, early April, where just it just was... Just, you know, you just weren't feeling it. I don't know how else to say it. And I, I don't know. Are we the only two that have this issue? That's about
0: the time KU lost in the tournament. Oh, yeah, it was so about the time KU lost. So,
1: Rich, you, you kind of go through. It. I mean, Rich, you're with us? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all of us, right? If we were all to be honest with each other. And so here's what I think is the problem. The problem isn't this, actually. The problem is, is, is our framework and how we think about it. And I think what causes problems is one, we have a very performance-based spirituality. We really don't have grace. We really don't understand it. We don't live it. We don't have grace for ourselves. And I think if I were to draw it, I really think our view of, Of a lot of stuff in the Western world, it's all about progress and advancement and getting ahead and moving up the ladder, right? And I really think we have this idea that, hey, when things are feeling good, my quiet times are meaningful, like I'm making progress, but then when we hit those periods of dryness and like, I'm in the Word, but it's like, it's not hitting me and I'm not feeling God in all this stuff, what we start thinking is we start assuming, man, I'm going back down the ladder, I'm not making, instead of making progress like I'm supposed to, I'm heading down. And I think we have this, this mentality, whether we have the ladder in our head or not, um, that's not helpful at all. The other thing is, is I think it's a very emotion-based spirituality where we allow our feelings to dictate what, what we interpret as the reality of our soul. And I want you to know your feelings are a horrible indicator of your soul. They can help sometimes, but they're not a good indicator. So rather than, than believing our way into our feelings, which is how we should be, we believe our way into our feelings, we allow our feelings to, we feel ourselves into our belief. Does that make sense? Can you unpack that for a second? Because that's like so powerful, but I don't,
0: it, first time that, I heard it, didn't really hit me right. Yeah,
1: especially the way I just said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we should be believing our way into our feelings, that our belief should, start, should dictate kind of how our emotions come out of things. And at the end, I'll kind of hit this again. But I think what a lot of us do is we feel our way into our beliefs. And I'm like, hey, I don't feel spiritual today, so therefore I am not spiritual. Does that make sense? We allow our feelings to dictate what we are believing about the condition of our soul. I have just two quick thoughts. I think this latter thing, when, when
0: we started talking about this, this makes so much sense to me, this is me. And one of the things is comparison. Man, with social media and the internet, we can see what everybody's doing at all times. And comparison is just a killer and I would always compare my spirituality to other people and it's just not healthy. And then the other thing is Garen talking about feelings, I man, that is just the the temperature of our culture right now is that feelings dictate everything. And it's so easy for us to let our feelings dictate our spirituality, just like you said. So I would say comparison and then following your feelings, two big contributors to this, that the world I mean that's just where we're at right now in Western society, but we can't Yep. We can't let that bleed over into right. our spirituality.
1: Very emotive. So what's the corrective to all this? I think the corrective, first of all, is Scripture. And especially, I really want to go to David and the wisdom literature. And the reason I like David is because in Acts 13.22, I hope you can read my writing. My kids always complain, and like I've got pharmacy writing or doctor writing. Is this writing. Greek right here? Yeah, or? that's Greek, I think. Okay. That might be, and that's Hebrew, that one. Oh, yeah. But here's what we're told in Acts 13.22, that David was a man after God's heart. That was God's assessment of him, Right. He was a man after his heart. So David must have lived his whole life on the mountaintop, always full of joy and all of that. And, you know, but here's what's interesting. Pat and I sat down yesterday, and we graphed his life, the ups and downs. This is what his life looked like, you know, the highs and the lows, just his experiences. So David, a man after God's heart, his whole life had this this pattern, this thing that we're talking about, was mapped out in it. If you open the Bible to the Psalms and you read the Psalms, do you know what kind of pattern you're going to find as you read through the Psalms? You know, are they all? Is it 150 Psalms of joy? Man, you're reading you're reading three down ones one day and a really down one on the fourth day, and then you're reading a really up one for a couple of days. The Psalms really map out this same thing. This was David's spiritual life, a man after God's own heart, and. I mean, Psalm 23, you mentioned Psalm 23 in relation to this. Right, what yeah, was and just the, the
0: valley that David finds himself in Psalm 23. And I just really like what you said about this graph is, is so helpful um, because so often we bring our perceptions into the Bible and then we read it through that lens, right? Like David was a man after God's own heart. He's this figure we talk about in Sunday school. So he must be up here all the time. So therefore, we fail to see a lot of the times that he had these low points, And it's just so important that we we change that lens that we see it through, yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, David was a man who had ups and downs. But it is so important that we not only acknowledge our ups and downs and and are okay with them and understand them in context of a bigger relationship, but also that we do it together. Um, David and his friendship to Jonathan is what we look to for an example of friendship in the Bible, right? And so David is not only going through these highs and lows, but he's doing it in healthy community, right? So it's one thing to go through this stuff on your own, but to do it alongside somebody who, also, who loves the Lord that you can share this with, I think that's just so key. Yeah, So, so key.
1: Yeah, 23rd Psalm. I mean, it's lush meadows, it's quiet rivers, but it's also dark valleys and the presence of my enemies. And that's not right. one life. That's, that's every day, every week, right? That kind of stuff. So that, even in that Psalm. I love his son, his son Solomon, again, in the wisdom literature. Here's what he said. God speaking through Solomon, Ecclesiastes 3, 1-8. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones, there's a time to gather. There's a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to tear, a time to mend, time to be silent, a time to speak, time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. That they had this sense and they knew that life with God, it's like a season, there's rhythms of life to it, this thing that we're kind of drawing here. And there's actually a word for it. Uh... This, this thing, this, it's, it's the word undulate. And it's a word I wasn't familiar with till I read it, Undu man, I didn't spell that right. Undulate. Did they teach spelling at liberty? Uh, just? No, just oh. all they did is teach Greek and Hebrew, but they did not help our <laughs> English at all. Um, undulate, and it, you know, a, a, an ocean undulates. It's, it's this waves, it's the pattern. And C.S. Lewis was the first place I read it, and in his screw tape letters, in letter number eight, which is such a profound letter. I wanna, I wanna read to you what he wrote about this. And he's writing it from the perspective, you know, screw tape letters, of like a demon who's like the head of demons and he's over a demon who has a Christian that he's trying to get to, to mess up his spiritual walk with God. And he's giving him advice. And here's what he says. Humans are amphibians, half spirit, half animal. As spirits, they belong to the eternal world, but as animals, they inhabit time. This means that while their spirit can be directed, To an eternal object, their bodies, passions, imaginations are in continual change, for to be in time means to be in change. Their nearest approach to constancy, therefore, is undulation, the repeated return to a level from which they repeatedly fall back a series of troughs and peaks. If you had watched your patient carefully, you would have seen this undulation in every department of his life. His interest in his work, his affection for his friends, his physical appetites, all go up and down. As long as he lives on earth, periods of emotional and bodily richness and liveliness will alternate with periods of numbness and poverty. They are merely a natural phenomenon. It's just the way it is being a human being in this world that we find ourselves in. It's just kind of the way things end. And that, that was just super like, helpful and freeing to me, that whole thing of undulation. And so here's what, what's cool is, this is real life. Do you know that? Do you know that everything in the world does this pattern? Everything. In the medical world, Ariel was showing me these diagrams. Um, these, these are you know, EEGs, EKGs. I don't even know what half this stuff is. But when a person's healthy, do you know what all your readings look like on the monitors? They look like this. Okay, if they're like this, do you know what that usually means? Okay, it's not good. Um, it's just not good. You don't want you want you want it to be this. It's this way in economics with the stock market. Um, sports are this way. The Warriors are just on this run right now. Mm-hmm. That's crazy good. Yeah, what would you say? Ten, ten, years ten years ago? Ten years ago,
0: you would never back the Warriors. You would never they pick the Warriors right? to do anything. Yeah,
1: I think the only team that, that always is on a continual high are the Broncos, Denver Broncos. The only team that's on the continual low are the Raiders, wouldn't you agree? Right. Thinking K, of, KU football. Oh, KU football. Definite, oh, definite. Always high, right? Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah definitely KU football. So, um, Philip Yancey, even relationships. You know this. If you're married, you know this, Right. Um, Philip Yancey said, any relationship involved times of closeness, times of distance. And a relationship with God, no matter how intimate the pendulum swing, will swing from one side to the other. It's just what a real relationship looks like. That's, yeah. that's real life, yep. these cycles. Jordan actually said something really profound. Uh, he does more than… That never happened, so you wrote it down, <laughs> would <was> it? <laughs> yeah, it was so um, rare, I, I wrote it down. No, he, he actually has a lot of profound thoughts. He said, the only constant is variance. And I really like that. The only constant is variance. And this totally fits, if you think more about it, it fits, here's why this fits the Bible. Not just the things we read, but if you look in the Bible, almost all of the metaphors of the spiritual life, they're not mechanical they're not organizational, they're not about production or performance reviews. That's not the metaphors the Bible uses. The the Bible uses metaphors that are organic, and primarily it talks a lot about trees, and it talks a lot about fruit. Very organic metaphor. And that for me is so helpful, because if you know anything about trees, you can tell the life of a tree from the tree rings, right? And these big fat rings right here, that's between that, those big fat ones are usually times when there's lots of rain and lots of water going on. And I think you guys all know this, these really thin rings, what are those a sign of usually? Times of drought, right? All the rings are important, but actually the the most important rings to a tree are the thin ones. Do you know why? The thin rings, that is the strongest wood. The strongest wood are those. And that's so counterintuitive to how we think we think the best spiritual times are where we're on our emotional highs, right? But maybe the, the things that really get God into us and the strength is in those times where we're not kind of feeling it. Yeah. So that framework, I mean, to me was extremely helpful. It really set me free, and I know it did you. Because um, it's real life, right? Right. Very much so.
0: Yeah, the one thing that kind of came up as we were talking about this is my thinking was just, If everything in life that is real naturally goes up and down, every single thing, then wouldn't my faith going up and down mean that it is real as well? Like if my faith was supposed to be this flat-lying mountaintop thing, like if this is the bar all the time and I'm never allowed to be below this, then that's not something real. That's just something that I've created on my own in my mind. But if my faith is real, then it's going to have highs and lows. And actually those low points are a sign that like, this is a a real relationship. It's not something I've made up in my head. It's actually validates it in some ways
1: yeah the stuff on my sheet that's red that's really important is all stuff he said and i that's so important i'm just going to write when he said it when we were meeting over there that day if everything in real life if it undulates and my faith undulates that's not a sign that it's weak which is what we think right it's a sign that it's real it's real yeah now isn't that isn't that a totally different perspective it's not a sign that it's a weak it's a Mm -hmm. sign that it's real So this really, Jordan, impacted you. Wait, can you say one more thing about the tree? No, we're done. We're done. No, go to the tree. Look, I have to get to the tree right Remember you
0: said something really good about trees in different ages? One's not more complete than the other? Yeah, You should say that.
1: Yeah, you know, so if we plant a sapling and it's just been there a year and next to it is an elm that's 100 years old, like which is more healthy? Well, they're both healthy, Right. You don't look at the little one and say, Wow, that is so unhealthy and the big one, that's really healthy. As long as they're healthy, they're just both healthy and they're both going through this stuff. So we don't determine the health of something by how small it is or how new it is. Trees are if a tree's healthy, it's healthy. Right. So times of plenty or white. You don't rely on him. Yeah. It strengthens you. Yeah. Yeah, and those, he was saying in those times, of those, those wet times where there's a lot of rain, that, that just a lot of times we're not relying on God and actually not growing. And when we feel good, maybe there's not as much as we think. That's true. And in a minute, C.S. Lewis talked about that. So I know this impacted me greatly. Jordan, Let's ta- what yeah. were the ways that it did for you? Yeah,
0: just four quick takeaways, because I know we're at the end here. But one was the impact of just understanding my faith. It goes up and down. Just kind of four takeaways from that. One is is um, doubts. It really eliminated a lot of doubt. I remember I would go through dry times and just think, like, is my faith real, or is it strong, or am I that seed in in Matthew 13 that, like, grows really fast, but then a hard time comes, and it's washed away, or it dries out, or whatever, and it just reassured me that, like, you know what, we all go through this. It's okay. It's natural. Just because I have a hard time doesn't mean that I have to doubt my faith. Um, And actually, like we said, those dry times, it kind of started to affirm me as a believer because I started to realize if my faith is real, these things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. not looking forward to them and not really enjoying them, but just understanding that if you look at it through the correct lens, it can actually be pretty beneficial to you.
1: Yeah, the doubt thing was big for me because I, you know, you go through those dry periods where you're just not feeling it. Again, it, it's no indicator of this, your soul, really half the time, your emotions, and you're not feeling it, but in those times, I'd be like, man, if I were a real believer, if I really had the Holy Spirit, I'd be full of the joy of the Lord all the time, and and I'd start even questioning, do I even have the Holy Spirit, and I feel like I had to accept the Lord again, you know, and, but once I started realizing that this is, it's just life, and it is what it is to be human, to undulate, it just, those doubts just disappeared from my mind, that that questioning. What was your second one? Uh,
0: Number two is just guilt, like a lot of guilt was just removed. I remember. Just feeling guilty that I didn't want to get in the word or guilty that I hadn't talked to God in a while. Or I didn't feel close to him. And so just feeling like, God, you must be far from me because I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. And I just would feel guilty about that. And it would actually keep me out of the word. You talked about how we'd undulate and then sometimes we'd fall off at the bottom. That would be me because I just feel so guilty. I want to be around him. And just realizing that guilt is really a weapon of the enemy. It's not, it's, it's not a tool of God to guilt you into something, but the enemy will guilt you into He will guilt you out of a relationship with God if he can. And just understanding that really kind of helped me.
1: Yeah. So when I went through this three-week funk or whatever it was back in late March, early April, 15 years ago, I would have been really struggling with guilt. Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my soul? You know, I'm pastor of the church. You don't do this kind of thing, right? But just realizing that just undulating, it's just normal. It is what it is that I could just go through it, stick with my spiritual disciplines, knowing that the joy, you know, the delight would come back. And it just it didn't phase me. And you just walk through it and a couple of guys I do Bible study with, I was just honest with them about it. And I just said, Hey, can you just pray that not even that I necessarily get out of it, but just for me to be constant in it and I know that, that things will come back. So one, right. th-
0: one yeah. thing you said is really important that you stick with the disciplines through it, right? Yep. That it's not an excuse to bow out that right. we gotta stick and we'll talk more about that yep. sec. But. Um, number three for me, was just value in the valley, just really valuing those dry times. And like I said, not really looking forward to them, but when they happen, knowing that it's a real opportunity for growth and maturity, and like those thin rings in the tree, like that's where it can really become the strongest. And I thought about, like I would be in ceramics class, and if you've ever been in ceramics class, you make something out of clay and then you put it in the kiln, right? And if you made it wrong, it's probably gonna crack or break or explode. But if you made it right, then after it goes through that intense heat, it comes out and it's actually really strong and just kind of thinking about my times in the valley like that, like, God, if I can get through this and stick closely with you through this, I'm going to come through it stronger, and it's actually going to prove that, like, we are close, like, we have something real mm-hmm. here, because anyone can, can do it in easy times. Yeah,
1: it proves that you are close. I love that. Right. You know, we talk about agape love, and agape love is really mature love. It's God's love. Man, my spelling is really whacked. Um, and what agape love is, it's not an emotional love, but it is I am going to treat you in a loving way no matter how I feel. And, you know, if you're in any relationship, especially marriage, you, not, you understand that, right? You'll go through a week or two weeks where you're just not feeling it with your spouse. But what agape, what mature to love is, is you're like, hey, okay, maybe I'm not feeling it, you're not feeling it, but we're still gonna hang out, we're still gonna have coffee, go out to eat, still give you a kiss, whatever. Nothing's changing in my behavior, because I know that, that the light thing is just gonna come back, and that's what mature love is. And so th- the value in this valley is, is actually learning in those dry times to just love God in a more mature way. It's yeah. just part of growing up spiritually, actually. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing, it's a growing opportunity, actually. Right.
0: And then one good thing that C.S. Lewis says is that, that um, you, you have a little excerpt you're probably going to read about it, but just about how God really values our prayers even more when we're from the valley. Like anyone can pray on the mountaintop when things are good and say, God, you're so good. But when we go through a dry time and we stay with our disciplines and we stay with our prayers and we're still talking to God, even when it feels like they're not getting to him, he just values those even so much more. Yeah, yeah.
1: can I read what Lewis said? I, it, to me it's so powerful. Because again, it's this is one demon talking to another. He says, now it may surprise you to learn that in his efforts to get permanent possession of a soul, he relies on those troughs even more on the peak, than on the peaks. He really does want to fill the universe with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself. Creatures whose life is on, on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own. Through the troughs, he leaves the creature, to stand up on its own legs, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It is during such trough periods, much more than during the peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature that He wants it to be. Hence, this is so profound, the prayers offered in the state of dryness are those which please Him best. That's not how we think, right? When you go to youth camp and you're on that mountain, because my youth camp used to be in Colorado, and you're feeling it, right, and you do a prayer and you're like, man, now that prayer got through to God because that was a great prayer. But then two weeks later when you're on this emotional low and you pray and it feels like it's hitting the ceiling, you're like, there is no way that's a good prayer. But maybe, maybe that the prayers offered in that time are the ones that please Him the best. Really different than what we think, right? He says, our cause, again, this is like Satan's perspective, our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished, and he asks why he's been forsaken, and yet he still obeys. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and Satan's actually really worried about our dry times, because he knows that if we still respond and love and follow God in those times, then it's going to be really fortifying, so we may think like we're in real trouble in the dry times, but really Satan is worried when we find those times because if we stick with it, it just, it's not good for, for him.
1: And then you said this thing injected life. The last one, yeah.
0: Um, just understanding this really injected life into my walk with God because before, before you understand there's a natural framework this works within, it's just like faith is supposed to be this good thing all the time, and if I ever dip down, then I feel bad about it, and i got to get back up here. So... Just understanding that it's a real relationship, and it's not just a hamster wheel of running on this thing all the time. It's, it's highs and lows, and it's closeness, and it's distance, and it just kind of made it feel more real, yep. and more intimate, just like a friendship or, or anything yep. like that.
1: Yeah, it's real. It's living. It's breathing. Right. It's moving. It's functioning like a, a living thing. A real relationship with a real person. Yep. It's, a real, it's not this box, and you check things off right. by, do, you know, by being good, beha- your behavior, that performance stuff. Yeah. So, all right, let's wrap it up. We want to bring it down to just some now what's, okay? Some important now what's. So, um, two things. First, let me just say what we're not saying this morning, okay? Number one, yes, there are times where I, out of the busyness of my life, neglect my walk with God, and I'm not talking to Him, or not in His Word, we're not talking about those times. Because when I'm feeling dry there, that's on me, okay? Right. So, th- th- uh, we're not talking about that. Or we're not talking about times where... Uh, I willfully am choosing to sin or rebel because we all go through those periods. David went through those. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about most of the other time, I think, when we are walking with him and we're just feeling that dryness. So here's the the four things. Number one, we do want you to be aware because Satan wants to get you thinking in that performance mentality and he wants to condemn you, and he wants you to feel that guilt and to feel defeated and to shrink back. So he's going to try to get you to think in a performance way, not in a relationship organic kind of way. So we, we are to be aware of his schemes, Paul says. We demolish arguments. We take captive our thoughts, and when Satan is telling us, hey, you're not feeling <laughs> it, so your soul's not good, we're like, no, my emotions don't drive me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my time to God. I'm just not feeling it, but my soul is fine, even though I don't feel it. So don't, uh, just be aware of that, I think. Um, again, that we can't feel our way into belie- behaving and believing. We behave and believe our way into our feeling. So it doesn't matter how you feel. That is not what I used to determine. Second, I would say quit being so introspective. I'm one of those kind of guys that I weigh, can way weigh overthink things. And again, whenever you get that dry time, the first, the first thing automatically for us introspectives is I turn inward, like, what's wrong with me? And thankfully, God, through all this, has really freed me from that to where I can just acknowledge it and say, hey, it's kind of dry right now, but it is what it is, and I'm undulating, and undulating's cool because I'm in a real relationship, and I'm just going to… I'll tell you in a minute what number four is, which is really crucial. My third one is, I think, just quit striving so much. Let's get, let's get off that performance bandwagon. Jesus says in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30, he says that if you take up his way and follow him, it is a yoke, there's work to do, but it is light and it is easy. And if your walk with God is continually filled with guilt, you're not following him in his way, the intended way. That if, if following Jesus isn't a song in your heart, and if it's a bird on your back, then you're not living in his way. And that's what I was like for a long time, because the, the way I viewed this period put me, just I put a lot of guilt on myself. And then finally, I think what you mentioned that's really important is keep those disciplines and rhythms, okay? <clears throat> when I hit that period a few months ago, um, you don't just go, man, I never know how to spell rhythm. You just don't know. You, you don't just say, okay, well, I'm not feeling it, so, you know, for... You, just, you just stay in the Word. You keep in your Bible reading pattern. You, you, you continue to talk to Him about stuff, even though you don't feel it, because you just know that in that discipline and the duty of that, that the delight will come in the future. And I really think what He wants you to do, Satan, you know, again, being aware, is He wants, in that time, He wants to get me out of the disciplines, right. to make me think something's wrong with me, something's wrong with my soul, so I, I get back. So just stay in the disciplines, and that's when He becomes afraid of you. Yeah. Because oh my gosh, this guy is growing in this dryness. It really is just all about Satan trying to disconnect you from truth. I mean,
0: one, two, one, two, and three—like him getting you to feel these ways—is all. Are all strategies of his to get you out of the Word? Because if he can disconnect you from truth, he can get you believing your feelings, and it's just you're easy from there. So yep, yeah, this is really frank. Thanks for bringing this up and doing this, man. Yeah, this Isaiah is
1: 55, me. just with the discipline, um, 10 and 11 talks about that. The the word of God's, it's like rain that soaks into the soil, mm. and you stay in the Word even in the dry times, even though you're not feeling it, and you, you feel like nothing's happening, but that Word, is, it's soaking into you, and it's watering things underneath that you don't even know are there that are going to sprout in those delight times. Does that make sense? So you just, you just stay in the Word, you stay in prayer. Yeah. So, all right. We, we felt like this
0: was going to hit a lot of people just head on. When I first heard this, it really connected with me, and it kind of opened my eyes to this dimension i wasn't even thinking about so what we've done is, is we've appointed a few people to be kind of just prayer people in this time and so as we leave we're gonna have a few prayer people on the edges and if you want to go and just pray with somebody about this if this is where you are and, and you need prayer or you need just want to just listen to you um, we have a few people that will do that so if you if i talked about being a prayer person would you stand yeah who are our prayer up? people who we ask to do people? that this service the Shafers and Tracy, yeah, so they'll be kind of on the edges there, and so if you need prayer or... Come up, grab one
1: of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you one know of them. You know how to pray, right? Well, uh, yeah, in okay. the good times. In right. the good
0: times. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, okay, whether cool. we're dry or not, we'll pray for you, so, but um, yeah, the, the te- they're not here, the seniors aren't here right now, right, but we kind of, we're leaving them with that challenge first service, you know, hey, teenagers... Just go out and undulate for God. It kind of sounded bad. I'm not sure. Can a pastor say that? We're gonna like, put on a shirt and see. If it's yeah, we're sold. gonna. Yeah. We're talking about even after service, people are talking about shirts we can make. You know, undulating said just, cool. Yeah, I think that's undulating another. is cool or undulate yeah. for God, but it's just the reality. Okay, it's yeah. what it is to be human. It's this is just gonna be the pattern of your life and everything. So let's quit freaking out about it. All right, let's just be who we are. The Bible says in Psalm 103, it says that God knows we are but dust. He knows. And right before it, it says he's compassionate like a father. He, un, he knows. And he doesn't get all up in arms when I, in my ups and downs. He's, just, he's constant through it. That's what a good parent is. You're constant through the ups and downs. And so, let's us do that. So, can we leave? So, Father, I pray you would make us a people who quit believing, I think, the lies that we've told ourselves and the lies of Satan. It's all performance and climbing ladders and always progressing and improving. And just losing the, this reality of the organic nature of our faith. And like David, that that people who strive after your heart are people whose lives are full of this undulating, and it's okay to be there. And just help us to be free in wherever we find ourselves and just to stay connected to you so we can become the kind of people you want us to be, the kind of people that Satan fears. So we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.